copy of God's Word and go with me to the book of Philippians. Philippians chapter 4 is where we are. And before we jump into Philippians 4, I want to spend just a few moments thinking about the neighborhood where we are there in the book of Philippians, because I think it's important to understand this text in light of that context. Because if you're not careful, when we talk about being joyful, when we talk about being peaceful, when we talk about being reasonable, you will think that this is a self help sermon, and that is not at all what this is. And it's a, it's a sermon based on the power of Christ and something that only God can do in our lives to accomplish for His glory, for our good, for the good of others around us. And so look with me in Philippians chapter 3. If you'll just flip back a page for a second, you'll see that, that Paul in 3.12 is talking about, actually in all of chapter 3, he's talking about his faithfulness in Christ. He, he lays out in those first 11 verses how his power, how his strength, how his purpose in life is all based on Christ. It's not on his own power, on his own doing. He says, in fact, that all the things that he once thought would please God on his own, that would attain righteousness and right standing before God, he says there, that they're, they're, they're all rubbish now. I don't consider them gain at all. I only consider gain that which I have accomplished in and through and for Christ. And he is willing to strain for that. He says in verse 12, as he talks about people who are walking away from Christ, who are abandoning their faith. He talks about the great value of continuing forward in faithfulness and in obedience. How, how it will be worth it to walk with Jesus all the way through your life. And then it's interesting in chapter 4, he he addresses two women there in the church in Philippi. One's name is Euodia and the other's name is Syntyche. And they apparently have a disagreement because in chapter 4, verse 2, he writes and says, I entreat Euodia and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. And then he asks for the church in verse 3 to help them, help these two ladies come together. And so here we, we understand that through chapter 3 and now to this point in chapter 4, Paul has been talking about the power of God at work in him. He has been talking about the value of Christ and our obedience, our, our, our relationship with him, submission of our lives, of following him, how it's worth turning away from everything else to follow after him. Remain focused on him. And now, now he even begins to talk about the power of Christ in a broken relationship. And in just a few moments, we're going to go to the verses that follow and talk about how to live peacefully and reasonably and joyfully. But, uh, but I want you to be careful to understand that this is not Paul just giving some self-help instruction. Friend, you need to understand that what we believe as a church what we believe as Christians is that we are born separated from God because of sin. Because Adam and Eve, our very first parents, the first man and woman ever created, sinned against God. We have inherited that sin throughout humanity. And it's not just that we have inherited it, but that we have acted on it. And we ourselves have sinned. We have rebelled against God. We have pushed against him. We have tried to make our own way. We have tried to define God. 
and we have tried to please him in our own way. But it has fallen far short, and it has left us separated from God, which does not bring God joy. It brings him sorrow. And because God is good and kind and gracious, he has sent his son, he has sent Jesus into this world, Jesus who was fully man and also fully God. And because he was fully God, he was born perfect. We were not born perfect because we're not God at all. We're human, 100%. But Jesus in an amazing way is fully God Therefore, he is born perfect, and he is fully man, and he is fully able to, to go through, to endure, to face the challenges and the temptations that you and I face. And what we see in the life of Christ is that over 33 years here on planet Earth, that he lives faithfully and obediently. Therefore, God looks down on his one and only Son and allows him to be our substitute. First, our substitute for right living. To be joyful all the time is not something I'm capable of doing because I sin and I rebel against God. To be peaceful all the time is something that I fall short because I am a sinner. And I get angry and I I sin in my anger. But Jesus was fully obedient and God let his full obedience count for my full obedience. But because Jesus had no sin to die for, which is what the Bible says, the wages of sin, that the payoff of sin is death. Jesus had no debt to pay in that area. And God allowed him to willingly be our substitute. That is good news. He stepped in that place for us. And he takes our sin on himself. And so not only does he take our sin, but he gives us his perfect living, his faithful living. And when we trust in him, when, when we call out admitting that, that we have rebelled against God and we, we believe, we place our faith in Christ and we, we confess that, that Jesus is the only hope. He is the only one who can redeem us and who can restore us so that we will now live in a way that is pleasing with God, at peace with God, then God is faithful, his word says, to forgive us of our sins. And he gives to us the spirit of Christ. Jesus' spirit comes and lives within us to empower us, to enable us so that we can live faithfully. And God has given us the good gift of the church, just as Paul writes to others here in Philippians chapter 4 and says, I'm asking other people to come alongside of Euodia and Syntyche and help them overcome whatever difficulty is here. Help them. God's given us his church to accomplish that. He's given us his word to teach us and to direct us. And so as we look at this text, we understand that there is a great power at work within us, the power of God at work within us to accomplish these things of being joyful, of being peaceful, of being reasonable, as we see here in this text. And so so look with me at Philippians chapter 4. We start at verse 4. Paul writes, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. 
Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we ask, Lord, that you would teach us now. Help us, Lord, to know you, to be near to you. And Lord, then that we would be joyful, peaceful, reasonable people who are dependent on you for your glory, God, for our good. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, before we dive into those, those points, I've given, to, given them to you several times. I want to look just for a second at what I think is kind of a hinge in this text. If you look, that phrase at the end of verse 5, the Lord is at hand. The, the, the motivation to live in this way and even the power to live in this way, I think they rest in that little phrase, the Lord is at hand. Now, there is no denying that most likely what Paul meant most in his heart when he wrote that was that he believed the imminent return of Jesus Christ was not far away. And we struggle sometimes to look at that to say, goodness, that has been 2,000 years ago. But I would encourage you on a couple of levels to, to consider that, that the nearness of the Lord is at hand. The Lord is at hand. He is at work in this world around you. For one thing, Jesus told his disciples in John chapter 14 that it was good for him to go away because if he went away, that he would send his spirit to them to dwell in them. While Jesus was here ministering on earth with his disciples, he was in that physical form as we are being in one place at one time. He could not be in Galilee and in Capernaum at the same time. He could not be in Jerusalem and in Nazareth at the same time. He had to be in one place at one time with his disciples. But he promised them that when he went away, he would send his spirit and therefore he would be with all of them. The Lord is at hand. The Lord is near. He is within us. The Lord is at hand. The Lord is near because, you know, life is short. Life moves quickly. And whether you get 40 years or whether you get 90 years, those years pass quickly. And you will stand before the Lord. The Lord is at hand because he is already working to build his kingdom here in this world, in this earth, through us, through his church. What he desires to be accomplished is being accomplished through his church. Friend, as a Christian, we should never put all of our faith and all of our confidence in the government or in laws or in public policy. We are grateful for those things. Those are all tools and instruments that the Lord wants to use and does use to bring order and protection and help to people. But ultimately, the way he is at work in this world is through his spirit, living it out through his church, through his people. And we are called to be 
salt and light. We are called to be influencers. We are called to bring the kingdom of God into the world even now, right in your home, on your street, in your workplace, through this church, out across Kentucky, across the world. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How is it accomplished on earth as it is in heaven? It is through us. It is through the church because his spirit is at work in us. He has strategically put us in places, in our homes, in our work, in our community, in the church, throughout the world to carry the gospel mission forward, to go and to make disciples, to share the good news. And then as the the hope of Jesus is recognized, then the way of Jesus is realized and is lived out. We are to influence in that way. And so, so as Paul looks here and he, he, he is speaking to these Christians about the way they are to live, he is not teaching a self-help lesson. He is calling on these people to do more than just modify their behavior. He is calling on them to lean on Christ as they live in a new way. Look at this text with me. First, the Lord is near, be joyful. The Lord is near, be joyful. Paul says here in this text, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. He repeated it because he knows it will be a challenge. It is hard to remain joyful, isn't it? We often face frustration, discouragement, chastisement, difficulty, things break, things don't go the way that we think they ought to go. But Paul says the Lord is at hand, therefore be joyful. Rejoice in the Lord, knowing that he is working good. And so this is not don't worry, be happy. This is rejoice in the Lord because he is at work. He is working to accomplish his good purpose in you and through you. And so so you can rest in him. And as you do, find joy in him. But, But you've got to battle for it. You've got to fight for it. You've got to preach. You've got to pray. You've got to ask the Lord. You've got to have other people to to remind you. You have to have other people who are joyful around you as an example. And I think that's what he's getting at here as he's he's looking in this text and he's repeating it. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Our relationship with Christ, our treasuring of Christ, our desire to do what Christ has called us to do has got to be the anchor of the foundation of our joy. The second thing we see here in this text is that the Lord is near, be reasonable. Be reasonable. To be reasonable means that we are gentle or even tempered. It is easy for some of you to lose your cool and for some of you that that, that looks like you explode like a volcano. Some of you are a, are a hand grenade. And you're just waiting for somewhere to go off. 
Some of you lose your cool and you just shut down. That if it's not going to be your way, then you're not going to be a part of the solution. And so you just withdraw. And the reality is it's the same. Whether, whether you are an exploder or whether you are an imploder, it's the same. But one thing it's not is that reasonable, gentle, steady, even-tempered middle. Now, listen, there are times when, when we should get fired up. There are times when we should get passionate. There are causes in this world there, that there are reasons to be impassioned. But even in those times of being impassioned, we have to be careful that we are not carried away into one direction or another. So I thought about that this week. I think about that, that phrase, carried away. Carried away. That, that's a great, I don't know if it's a southern phrase. I heard it growing up. Don't you get carried away now. Oh, look at them. They just got carried away in that. Carried away. Well, I mean, literally, think about that. What, what does that mean? Carried away. It's like another person standing here and me scooping them up in my arms and carrying them away. If that happens, that, that means that they have to surrender their ability to remain on their own. They have to allow me to pick them up or I have to overpower them and pick them up and literally I move for them. Have you ever been carried away by your anger? Carried away by your discouragement? Carried away by your frustration? Some of you are looking at me like I, I've heard of people who have been carried away. But I myself, I have never been carried away. <laughs> there are those of you who have been carried away by chocolate cake. You've been carried away by the carton of ice cream. Raise your hand if you've been carried away on Facebook. No, I'm just teasing. Don't do that. But we know that you do. People get carried away on social media every day. Sometimes saying things that they never say in public, even though they kind of are saying in public because they're on Facebook, which is public. But anyway, we get carried away. Here Paul said, let your reasonableness be known. Be known means it's consistent. That's who they are. That if you ever get carried away, people say, whoo, I don't know what was going on with them today. They got carried away. They don't ever get carried away versus the person who always gets carried away and you come back home and you say, well, they remain very calm, don't you think? Yes, I was surprised. I thought they would lose it here or go off there or explode in that, but they remain very calm. What's wrong with them? I don't know. Paul said, let your reasonableness be known. Some of y'all quit looking at each other. Some of you are looking at each other now. Let your reasonableness be known. Why? Because the Lord is at hand. The Lord is near. It's more than just, it's going to be okay. It's more than that. It's that God is at work. He is accomplishing a purpose even through the difficulty, through the struggle, through the mess. God is accomplishing something good. 
And I would say to you that being reasonable with others is an overflow of being peaceful within. Being reasonable with others is an overflow of being peaceful within. And that's what Paul says next. He says, the Lord is near, be peaceful. Be peaceful. In the Bible, peace is not the lack of war. Peace is that you are actually working for the good of the one who was once your opponent. Sometimes you have to settle, and peace just means everybody was quiet on the way home. There was a lack of war on the way home from church today. It was a peaceful ride home. But that is not what true peace is. Peace is working for the good of the one who would be considered your enemy. That's why Jesus can say, love your enemy. Bless those who hate you. Bless those who persecute you and despitefully use you. Because God is at work even through them to accomplish his purpose of raising up disciples, of carrying the good news of Jesus to the world around us, of being glorified through accomplishing his purpose. And so he says, because the Lord is at hand, be peaceful. Now of all of them, maybe this one is not yours. Maybe it's harder for you to be joyful. Maybe it's harder for you to be reasonable. But let me just be honest with you. It's hard for me to be peaceful. When somebody has said something about me or has done something trying to harm me, trying to discredit me, when someone has hurt me, it takes the power of God for me to forgive and to love that person. Just honest. If I was just left to myself, I would just avoid them or burn against them inside my heart. And so when I read a text like this, I understand that for forgiveness and even more than just forgetfulness of the wrong, but instead putting in that place, working for the good of that person, which is what biblical peace points to, I realize that we're talking about something that only God can accomplish. And so because the Lord is at hand, be joyful. Because the Lord is at hand, be reasonable. Because the Lord is at hand, be peaceful. And I think he leaves us with a strong, strong tool for how. How do I do that? Because the Lord is at hand, be prayerful. Be prayerful. Praying, thanking God for who he is and what he does. And then Paul says, and with supplication, let your request be made known. Look with me back at chapter 4, verse 2. I entreat Euodia and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. 
What if Sintiki there in verse 2 took what Paul wrote in verses 4, 4 through 7 and put that into practice? Her prayer may sound like this. Lord, this is Sintiki. Thank you that you have forgiven me. Thank you, Lord, that you have overcome my sin. God, that when I was your enemy, when I rebelled against you, Lord, because of your love and your goodness, you showed patience and you showed kindness and you forgave me. Now, Lord, you know you, Odia. I know you know her. And you know that I know her. And you know that I don't want to sit by her Sunday. But Lord, would you help me? Father, sometimes when I think about the the wrong that's between the two of us, I, I struggle to be joyful. It just makes me angry. And I get frustrated and I get discouraged. But Lord, I pray that, that even in the midst of that, God, that, that you would remind me of your goodness and your kindness. Lord, that you would remind me that you love Euodia just like you love me. And Lord, that would help me to be reasonable. God, that I wouldn't get carried away, that, that I wouldn't fly off to one side or another. Lord, that when, when somebody comes up to me and says, have you heard what that Euodia has done this time? Lord, that I wouldn't say, it won't surprise me. But Lord, that I would say, you know, that's not going to help me. (laughs) That I would say, Lord, that's not going to help me to love her. And it's not going to help me to live in a way that would be pleasing to you. And so, Lord, even as we deal with this wrong between us, would you help me to be gracious and gentle? Father, I pray that you would help me to pursue her good. Lord, that's hard when, when somebody hurts, us, hurts me and wrongs me. God, that's hard. But I, I pray that it, you would help me to pursue Euodia's good. And that starts, I think, with that reconciliation between the two of us. That other people in the church are saying that we, we, we need to make things right. And so, Lord, would you help me to do that? God, so that I can be pleasing to you. That my life would be a picture of the gospel of how you, Lord, have forgiven me and called me now to forgive others. And God, that you would be honored. It's interesting that Paul's mind immediately goes to these things in verses four through seven, the moment after he has spoken about a broken relationship between two women that he loves that are well-known and well-loved in the church, that he believes love the Lord and that the Lord loves them. If those two women need that reminder to be joyful in the Lord, to, to be reasonable in the Lord, to be peaceful in the Lord, certainly you and I do as well. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. God, I thank you for... Um, how broad your word is, Lord, that that there really is nothing in this world that it doesn't touch and teach on in some way. But Father, at the same time, how narrow and how intimate it is that that it it just comes and lives right beside us. (coughs) 
Lord, with the, with the struggles that, that we have in our own lives. And Father, you are faithful. God, you're faithful to work in us. God, to forgive us and to redeem us, but to help us in forgiving others. And so, Lord, would our lives be marked? Would they be known? Would they be well-known? Lord, it's lives that have been changed and are being changed by you, that you would be honored in this. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together as we sing.